Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow us on the Paranormal the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we are translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country, we're happy to say. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During this show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you also call on our call-in number and speak with our guests tonight after our initial uh, uh, interview. Any buzz killers in the chat or on the phone will be kicked out, and I will have a copy of your phone number, and I'll bug you back, so don't bug me. Play nice and be polite. And uh, let's see. I have a couple of announcements to make. And uh, tune in to Paranormal Angels every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. The call-in number to listen to the show, uh, if you're not available, because I listen to it from my office because I can't I can't get on the, to the computer like that. So the call-in number to listen every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, is 718-664-6407. They're my friends Marsha Becker and, you know, Edwin Becker, the author, and it's his wife, and Geraldine Dallas. And it's Paranormal Angels every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And also I'd like to announce that uh, Yvonne Smith's new book, Coronado Haunting is now available on Amazon and CreateSpace. And uh, as you guys know, most of you that are tuning to the show, that she's a licensed hypnotherapist that deals with experiencers who have uh, then had abduction experiences and trauma. And anyway, she is available, and you can reach her at www.serointernational.com, and she has a uh, office up near La Cunada. Flint Ridge area, but she's also able to have, see you in Huntington Beach. And next week, our guest will be uh, Dave Skrivish, and he's the author of The Mayhem Wrangler, so we're looking forward to that. But tonight, I am just so honored, nervous, and very happy to have uh, Captain Robert Salas and his wife Marilyn Salas as our guest tonight. And I'm going to do uh, their bio and, and intro for them, and uh, they're already on the line, and I'm so excited about it. So everybody get on and... Uh, if you have questions, we're going to ask it, and we'll answer them later part of the show. But Robert Salas served almost seven years in active duty in the Air Force until resigning in 1971. From 71 to 73, he worked for Martin Marietta Aerospace and Rockwell International on space shuttle design proposals. From 73 until his retirement in 95, he worked for the Federal Aviation Administration. And Robert wrote the book, Faded Giant, with co-author Jane Close, which details a UFO incident while stationed in Maelstrom, AFB, Montana. And Robert Salas is a 1964 graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy, and he served seven years on active duty. And he worked as a weapons controller, 
who target drones, commanded intercontinental ballistic missiles on a, as a launch officer. It's amazing I can get all this out. And worked as Air Force Missile Propulsion Engineer in the Titan III program. Amazing. From 1971 to 1973, uh, I already went through all that. Anyway, so he's been publicly speaking about this incident of the UFO conferences on the radio and the television since 1996. We're also going to be speaking uh, about his recent book, Unidentified, the UFO Phenomena. How world governments have conspired to conceal humanity's biggest secret. Anyway, it's available in paperback, and I, I got mine on Amazon. Um, and then we're having his, his wonderful and beautiful wife, Marilyn, and she's facilitated healing energy sessions in Jakarta, Indonesia, Seattle, Washington, Ojai, California, and many other, many other locations. Uh, her alternative healing methods practice includes hands-on healing approach, working with crystal stones, music, healing sounds, and a variety of healing tools, as well as the use of aromatherapy in the form of a spray combining 26 essential oils. The water used in this aromatherapy mist is infused with vibrational healing energy, especially selected crystals and stones. In 2008, Spirit divinely directed a precise formula of this aromatherapy mist of these oils called Love Blessings and the use of Maryland's Pendulum. And she's worked at the Volunteer Reiki Practitioner in the Breast Resource Center in Santa Barbara. And the healing sessions for women that could not afford it in a nominal cost. And she's also helped establish Women's Well Wellness Days. And uh, she co-founded Ohio Healing Circle. And they have been married, I think, I may ask them, for many years. And I'm going to get them aboard here. Um, first, let me get wrap it up here. Hi, Mr. Salas. How are you? Are you live Hello, Star. This is Bob Salas. Hi. Hi. Great to, to be on your board. show. All I'm right. so excited. I'm, I'm like tongue-tied and nervous, but I'm going to get Marilyn on here, too. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Star. How are you this evening? I'm I'm stage struck and uh, nervous, but um, I'm really <laughs> glad to have you guys on. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, just think of that lovely drive time. up to Cambria. Oh <laughs> my goodness! I had to make a do a little, uh, like a little sign. I put Cambria in the background. I don't know if you guys saw it on my page, but I uh, that's a you guys just just had your uh, birthday, right? Yeah, my birthday day after Christmas. <laughs> so you are celebrating your birthday and. Uh, when did you guys get married initially? Uh, actually, we got married uh, Dayton, Ohio, uh, it, which is near Wright Patterson Air Force Base, where I met Bob in 1969. So we've been married 45, going on 46 years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> For all parties concerned. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we try not to think about it. I know. Just try not to think about it that way because, you know, people have been married a long time. You know, this is, you guys are a remarkable couple, really, because you're both so, uh, you're, you're really, I can tell you're good to each other, and you're both on your own. It's so fascinating. Um, it's, a, it's just incredible. Uh, what you guys have done for the community and for the world, really. And, uh, Robert, why don't you start, uh, for our listeners that don't know what happened, 
Um, why don't you tell them about uh, the incident that uh, that started this whole thing? Okay, sure. Um, 1967. You guys married then? Okay, go ahead. Sorry, right. go ahead, Robert. No, this uh, actually, uh, I was married to another woman in 1967. Uh, can you hear me okay? I'm, I'm I getting can hear you, uh, but a little kind of an echo feedback. Uh oh, okay, go ahead. Well, okay, so in 1967, I was a missile launch officer, as you mentioned, uh, stationed at Malmstrom Air Force Base, Montana, which is uh, right in Great Falls. Uh, Great Falls is about the middle of the state, but uh, our operational duty duties were uh, at launch control centers, which are located throughout the state of Montana. Uh, at that time, we had about 15 uh, active launch control centers. Each launch control center had control of 10 nuclear missiles. So, On this particular night, March 24th, 1967, I was at uh, a place called Oscar Flight, which is near Roy, Montana. It's about 100 miles to the east of Great Falls. And um, uh, I was I was the one that was uh, on alert status. We took turns taking NASCAR a little Cut down there because we were on. Uh, one of us had to be awake uh, for the, the entire tour. Um, I get a call from the topside guard saying that there's strange lights in the sky and uh, making odd maneuvers. Uh, I, I didn't pay much attention to that call. Uh, he just wanted to report it, uh, and so. Uh, he hung up, but then the next call I got that evening, uh, about five minutes later, he's screaming into the phone. He's agitated. He's really upset. He's got all the guards out there with their weapons, and he's telling me there's a, a glowing red light, a uh, large lighted object uh, hovering above the front gate. And silently, it's just sitting there. Um, and they were all had their weapons drawn, and uh, he wanted me to tell them what to do next. I just simply told him that be sure not to let anything inside the gated area. But it sounded to me like, uh, because of the tone of his voice, that he was he and all the rest of them were very frightened. Um, I hung up, uh, went to tell my commander about uh, these calls, and uh, all of a sudden the missiles started going, what we call no-go or um uh, shutting down, disabled. Um, we queried the system. These were guidance and control system failures. In other words, the missile guidance system uh, became inoperative so that the missiles could not be launched because, of course, they wouldn't know where to go. Uh, anyway, we lost all 10 of them while this object was still up there. When my commander, Fred Mywald, um, uh, reported this to the command post back at Maelstrom. They told him that the same thing had happened uh, about a week earlier at another uh, similar site, similar incident, uh, where UFOs were seen by maintenance people and security personnel hovering above the missile sites, and all 10 of their missiles also shut down <clears throat> during that incident. So within the span of eight days, we lost... 20 nuclear missiles to uh, these UFOs. Uh, so it's basic, the basic 
uh, elements of, of that incident. I, I have, uh, of course, so was sworn to secrecy. I actually had to sign a non-disclosure statement never to talk about this. Um, but in 94, and I, I never did until 1994, and that's when I picked up a book called The Bub Top Secret by Timothy Good. Uh, and in that book on page 301, uh, there's a short paragraph talking about missiles going down uh, during UFO sightings at Malmstrom Air Force Base in 1967. So I took a chance, uh, contacted MUFON, uh, an investigator there, James Klotz, my co-author, and uh, asked him to submit a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request, uh, to get information from the Air Force about the uh, this incident which I thought was my incident, but it turned out to be the echo incident, which was the one that happened about a week earlier. Mm -hmm. I told him not to mention anything about UFOs, simply, you know, questions about this particular shutdown of missiles. Uh, The Air Force said it was declassified, but they were going to... I'm sorry, it was classified, but they were going to go ahead and declassify it and send me documents, and they did. They started sending us documents, and... uh, as soon as I received those uh, saying declassified, um, I began talking about this as a UFO incident, as I knew, uh, as I thought it was my case, my incident. It wasn't until um, a year or two later when I finally contacted Fred Mywald, my commander at the time, um, that he told me that, no, we were not at Echo, we were at Oscar flight. You got to understand the uh, so much time had gone by, and all these capsules looked the same that uh, it, it was hard for me to remember exactly where I was at the time. That, uh, but anyway, that uh, that's the basic story. It's um, that is when I re- this is what I remember about when I remember when it happened, and uh, it was on the news, and I remember that it was the first time. Now, I've been a, an abductee since I was a child, but I had a, a big block on it until I was older. But I remember that was the first time I thought that maybe there are UFOs. Because I was watching it and listening, and they, had a, they were talking about it. Then I went on to see your... Um, uh, you had an interview later on with uh, Larry King, and I saw that. And um, mm-hmm. I, had, I had not really realized who you were... I knew who you were, but I didn't put the the connection together until a couple of years ago. I was out in Roswell for the conference out there, and uh, you were sitting at the table next to. I was at Yvonne Smith's table, helping her sell her books, and then you were with uh, you were uh, sitting in front of your table, and your book Faded Giants was sitting there, and that's how we met. And then I realized for once who you were, because I had been uh, seeing you. But I mean, you know, you don't really right. put it together. I was, but then I realized who you were. So after that, and then I, I met Marilyn uh, along the line too. So now we're come to the point where, um, so this has been, and, you know, hit the world, and everybody's talking about it. And you were courageous enough to get all this information, but you were also having uh, personal experiences. So we'll bring uh, Marilyn in now. Marilyn, when did you guys meet, and uh, what? did you think about this whole story? Because you must have heard about it, right? Or did, you didn't know who it was either. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't know about it. No, we, uh, 
we met in 1969 at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I was working there as a library assistant at the uh, Air Force Institute of Technology Library, which is where Bob had uh, come from, Malmstrom Air Force Base. He was in a master's program there, and they sent him to Wright-Patterson to complete the program. So that's where we met, and we were married in 1969, and I heard nothing of this story. <laughs> I, at wow. the time, you know, I, I, I grew up in a religion where things like this, you know, I mean, we didn't talk about life in other places or ETs or UFOs or anything like that. So that wasn't even in my scope of believability uh, until things started uh, opening up for Bob in the 90s when he saw that book, uh, Above Top Secret, and then he really started talking about it, opening up about it. And I, I had to go through a whole mindset change because that just wasn't part of, you know, what what I believed in, what I knew. So well, anyway, yeah, it affects relationships in a very deep way. I didn't realize it because I'm, uh, you know, I'm not divorced yet, but I'm going to get divorced pretty soon, I guess. But uh I've been married over 27 years, and I really think this mm-hmm. really, uh, our last conversation was about um, me being able to be like, he said, he came in and he said, you know, you're like those ladies that in uh, World War II, they were called plane spotters. They could tell the planes were up there and things like that before they even came on radar. He said, you're like that, mm. aren't you? I'm, I've been telling you this for over 25 years, and now you, you saw it on the, I call it the Nazi mm-hmm. station. I don't know if it's uh-huh. history or whatever it was, but and I said, now you're saying that? So, because I have mm-hmm. an uncanny, I can spot cars from a great distance, or I can, uh, I know they're there before you can see them, in other words. Oh, I just have a knack. okay. And it, yeah, kind of, sounds like you're doing remote of, viewing. Yeah, I know. I think it's either that, I, I don't know what it is, because I haven't been trained, mm-hmm. but I'd love to yeah. be trained in this, but. Um, you're right. I think it's something along those lines, but that along was actually the last yeah. time. That was the last time we were in the room together. Oh, okay. And and well, you got the, I, go ahead. No, you got the final uh, realization from from uh, your husband, ex-husband, that indeed this was real, and uh, yeah, that means a lot to be acknowledged on that level. Yeah, and I think it freaked him out, and actually. Uh, he called me the next day because we had been split up for getting back together. And um, he said, well, I'm not coming over for dinner. I went, what? And he says, my sister, I said, well, I'm not going to talk to you for a while. And we haven't, we haven't spoken since then except for in court. Now that's how weird it got. Oh, and I wow. started thinking back that I think these incidents have affected our relationship. So the fact that you two are still together, you know, because, uh, Bob, you face the whole world on this, you know. Didn't you just go before that uh, uh, disclosure thing in, in Washington and all that? Because you just expose yourself. You go and you talk about it. Yeah. yeah. He, he cert- go ahead. Uh, well, I, I, I'm just going to say that I, I feel this is a responsibility of mine. Uh, uh, the incident happened on my watch, so to speak. Uh, I was there, and so uh, and the this is a phenomenon that the public deserves to know about, so I feel responsible. And that's really what's been driving me all these years. Uh, 
over 20 years now about talking about this. Uh, um, just, and, and just so that's, may I that's interject my basic something? <laughs> yes. When Bob, when Bob first had his uh, first interview on the radio, it was with Art Bell. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember after that first uh, interview, he got off the phone and he said, wow, thank goodness, he said, I'm finished with that and it's out and, and I can move on. I don't have to deal with this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I just laughed and laughed. <laughs> you knew. Are you kidding? Now, now it's the out. Beginning. This is just the beginning, and and plus more more will be revealed because uh, I don't know how you want to start talking about this, but uh, you've both had some extreme experiences uh, that have gone along. Now, how now your personal experiences? When did you guys become aware of this? Mm. Bobby, you want to jump in? Right. Well. Um, the experience that I write about in, in the book, uh, my, my recent book, Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon, um, happened in 1985. And, of course, this was before I came out with uh, my my incident at Malmstrom. But we were living at a, a home in Manhattan Beach uh, just up the street from you. I know. <laughs> you live in her. We're neighbors, by the way, listeners. Yeah, we're our, uh, Go ahead. I don't know. Were you there in 1985? Yes, I was. I I was in Hermosa, and I was having the same experiences, but I wanted to hear your experiences first before I start blabbing about this. Uh, So (laughs) uh, we had uh, two small children in in the house, and uh, Meryl and I were asleep. I I wake up uh, for no reason and uh, notice that there's a blue, bluish light uh, glow coming from uh, our living room and uh, I recall waking Marilyn up and and pointing out the fact that I see this blue light I'm going to get up and investigate because someone might be in the house uh, so uh, I start to get up off the bed and all of a sudden I'm paralyzed can't move um, and I struggled I really really struggled because we had you know two small kids in the house and and I was I was frightened. Um, so uh, this is the first indication uh, after um, you know my therapy sessions, and uh, this was real. The, the struggling to get my um, mobility back was not part of some dream. Uh, I was completely paralyzed, and I, I remember kicking, uh, trying to kick and uh, move, and couldn't move anything. I, at one point, I yelled out to Marilyn, turned over. Uh, to look at her, and um, and she was out. She was unconscious. Uh, next thing I remember is um, seeing a, a figure in the doorway. Uh, it seemed to have a hood on. I don't, at this point, recall what the face looked like. It was fairly dark. Um, but I do recall that there were others uh, in the room. Uh, the next thing I recall is being lifted off the bed, uh, actually floating off the bed and floating towards the bedroom window. Now, uh, if there's any humor in this, uh, this part was seemed kind of humorous to me because I, I thought to myself, I locked that window and they don't know how to open it. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, that 
I think I thought that because these these seem like small beings or, or children, like childlike, and uh, but it didn't matter because uh, they took me right through the window. And I know how crazy that sounds, but that's this is the memory that came through um, uh, what I'm telling you now as a result of some four hypnotherapy sessions I've had with different uh, different people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a bright light on the outside, but I don't remember seeing any craft. Uh, the next thing I recall is being on a table. It felt like a metal table. Uh, and... Um, I was being shown a long needle. They actually put this long needle in front of my face uh, at eye level, and they wanted me to see it. And somehow they communicated to me, again, this was nonverbal, that they were going to insert this into my groin area, and they perce- but it wasn't going to hurt. <laughs> uh, they proceeded to do that, but it did hurt. It was very painful, extremely painful. And when I complained about that, uh, the pain went away almost instantly. Um, after that procedure, uh, uh, I was escorted by two beings, one on either side, um, to a, what seemed to me like a bench area, sat down there. Um, I had no clothes on. Uh, the next thing, another being apparently... Um, uh, comes over behind me, uh, or I'm taken over to his area, and uh, he checks my back with two fingers. In other words, he, he, two fingers down my spine, uh, like poking at my spine. Uh, I don't know what that was all about. But after that, I recall uh, the, these two beings again escorting me uh, to a tunnel area. And again, we were floating. We were moving uh, without touching the ground and uh, this long dark tunnel and then there was a, a light and a flash and I was back in my bed uh, so again uh, this is about all I really know about this because this is uh, the information I've, um, that's been obtained through these four sessions that I've had uh, up to this point uh, and Marilyn, from your point of view, what are you uh, observing? Anything or? Well, my memory of this. Bob and I have talked about this. In fact, we really didn't yeah. even talk about it at the time. Uh, it wasn't until about 2007 or something like that when he was becoming very uh, well. Things were bothering him. He knew he had memories. He he wanted to to start discovering what those things were all about and that's when he started the hypnotherapy sessions and the um when he started talking about seeing uh, a blue light uh in the hallway when we lived in Manhattan Beach i mean that just uh, the the alarms went off all over the place i said what <laughs> i said i saw a blue light in Manhattan Beach in that house you know and i said but it was a bluish gray light it was very misty and eerie looking was coming down the hallway. Our bedrooms were down at the end of the hallway, and it seemed to be probably coming from the living room area uh, that, you know, the hallway's connected to. And my reaction was, uh, I don't know what this is all about, and I don't want to know what this is all about. (laughs) So like the ostrich sticking its head in the sand, 
I just decided I was going to, you know, turn over and go to sleep without getting up to investigate it, which is really strange. Uh, seeing that, again, like Bob said, we have two young kids in the house, but I didn't know what to do with that. I had no idea what it was all about. So I think in talking to him about him saying that he tried to, to talk to me, wake me up, uh, you know, uh, about this light, that I was I was unconscious, and that was probably that point where I decided I was not going to do anything about it, and I was just going to go to sleep. So, again, we didn't talk about that for over 20 years. And um, I started putting the pieces together after that. Yeah, I think that it's almost like, uh, because I I was going through the same thing, um, I would hang on to the bed as I was being dragged out of the house. And uh, Mm. I would turn around, look at my husband, and he would be sleeping so soundly, and I would think, why isn't he helping me? I'd get really mad, and I mm-hmm. felt like he wasn't protecting me. And uh, mm-hmm. they would yank me right out of the house, and uh, he would he would respond, and then when he did, I would tell him, let's say we fell asleep in different rooms. I would tell him, please come in the room. Now, he would come in, I said, do you smell it? Because sometimes it would smell like a bus station, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I started calling them bikers from space. I don't know, because they were leaving exhaust behind or something. I don't know. But I saw, uh, I saw uh, the, a lot of uh, little guys, you know, that walked. You saw a lot of them. Oh, Yeah, uh-huh. they they were terrifying to me. But also, uh, my best friend and I were actually, we get abducted together until this day. And uh, she was having the same problem, but she was in Torrance. And... Uh, we would see each other during the abductions and stuff. So that's actually who we turned to was each other oh. because we had actually mm-hmm. seen a UFO before that. And we saw this UFO uh, probably in um, probably 82 or 83. But we saw it together. Okay. And we were on the together. 405 going towards Long Beach, yeah. And it was mm-hmm. coming towards us uh, low and slow on the freeway mm-hmm. over by near the airport, actually. You know where mm-hmm. those white tanks are? If you go down the 405 south towards Long Beach, there's like those tanks on the right. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what the holes those tanks, but uh, that's where it was. But it was going oh, straight over the slow lane towards us. Right. It was actually in right. lane. So then we realized we were getting abducted all the time. But this was in Hermosa, and this is what was happening to us, too. And that's right. when I was so horrified by what was happening to me, no support from my husband because I would tell him stuff. And I think he was totally freaked out and uh, didn't understand Mm -hmm. either and didn't want to know. So that's when I wrote a letter to Harvard because I thought, you know, I better write to the best people if I'm this nuts because I thought I'm crazy and I need a lot of Mm -hmm. help. And I wrote to Harvard and Dr. Mack wrote me back. And that's how I got zero. And okay. that started my next adventure. So anyway, yeah, so you guys were in mm-hmm. Manhattan Beach. And I'll, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to tell you something else, that my niece and my husband had a sighting right up our alley, saw a little UFO. And I right had, up and your and alley? They, yeah, they came right up. Because I was over on First Court. You know where First and Hirondo were in that corner there? PCH and... Sort of, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's right Well, right near First Street. And, uh-huh. In Hermosa, uh-huh. so uh, where there's an alley in back of us, and I told him, I said, I feel there the UFOs are going down the alley towards the ocean, 
and there's also B-2 bombers going down. He looked at me really like I was crazy. He said, there's B-2 bombers, and then UFOs going down the alley. He said, yeah, he's saying that to me. Yeah, he made fun of me until he saw mm. one. And then mm. you know, my niece saw him. They came in. They drew the pictures of the UFOs. And then uh, we put it away, and my niece looked at me. And she was only 12. She said, don't ever ask me about this again. Uh-huh. And she missed yeah. it. They never talked about it again. And yeah. uh, then uh, one night we saw a B-2 bomber. He, he was screaming at me, get out of here, get out of here, look at the." And there was a B-2 bomber going down the alley, so everything that I said was true. You know how weird that mm-hmm. was to see that thing? And it's flying straight to the ocean. And to, but this was all going on when you guys were living there, too. Yeah. So we were seeing yeah. like UFOs. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think right up front I, I need to let people know why we are talking about this at this point before I go any further. Um, Bob and I both feel that you know this is a these are real experiences for us and for those people who may have had their own experiences it, it certainly you know would tend to validate what they went through and the fact that other people are also going through a lot of similar things but also for those people who who might be listening uh, and are not aware of things like this going on. Uh, or, you know, the possibility of visitations and contact and abduction, if you will, that those things, they are real. There there are so many people out there with credible stories, and, and, and I will give my best effort here to, to relay some of the things that have happened to me. But it's really to honor those who have already been through this and are looking, you know, for some sort of confirmation and also for the general public to know that these things are real, no question about it. So let me just start with with uh, the the bed. Well, let's go back just a little bit. After 1985-86, when uh, the incident happened in Manhattan Beach with the misty bluish gray light, my next experience was uh, in 1991 with a with a pendulum. And um, I think that was the beginning of my my opening. Um, I was doing uh, prayer work and meditation at the time. And um, in the process of working with this pendulum, uh, energies came through me that that all but paralyzed the right side of my body. And in the process of doing that, the pendulum, which had a, a metal chain on it, became absolutely taut as though it was welded together and I could stick it out like it was a pencil. And I didn't know where in the heck all that was coming from. It scared me to death. In the next morning, I remember it was still like that. When I would pick it up, it would just stand out straight, and then I'd put it down, and it would go into its natural form. So I decided I was going to go off to the Catholic Church and dip it in some uh, holy water. (laughs) So that was was my way of dealing with it because I had no idea what was going on. Later on, I came to find out that, that my kundalini uh, was busy opening up itself and all these energies were coming in. But at the time, I didn't even know what a kundalini was. Yeah, so, what is a kundalini now? Well, it is referred to as, as a serpent in the, the spine of the chakra system. And when that kundalini opens up, uh, it, it just brings through an incredible amount of energy for people. And there is paralysis the temporary uh, paralysis that's associated with it. 
so I think that that I was being kind of geared up for doing uh, work that would happen uh, over the next couple of years when I found out when we moved to Jakarta, Indonesia, uh, my yoga teacher told me that I was a healer. And so uh, I I feel that all this was in preparation for me entering the field of doing healing work because it felt really right when he told me that, but I had no idea how to go about doing it. So I was pretty much left to my own devices of tuning into spirit and uh, bringing that energy through. And the only advice I had from the yoga teacher was to rub my hands together, start to feel the energy you know, point them up to the sun and, and, you know, the rest is history. So that's exactly what I did. And feeling that ball of light that came in was just an amazing experience. And and so I started doing hands-on healing work, and that was in 93. And here I am 22 years later, and I am still in awe of what happens when, you know, I I facilitate that, that healing energy. So on to about 2005, we're over here in Ojai, and in the front bedroom, in the, the the front of the house uh, is where I was sleeping, and, and Bob had just gone off to work, uh, and doing. T- he was a teacher, is still a teacher, and so when he left, you know, he kissed me goodbye, and and so I was kind of half awake, half asleep, and then uh, within a few minutes after him leaving the house, all of a sudden I I hear this tone. And it sounded like a cell phone almost. And I thought, well, this is weird. You know, we live in a single-family home, and, you know, there wasn't anybody that close by that I could hear their cell phone. So I sort of discounted it and, uh, you know, went back into my trying-to-wake-up stage. And then I heard it again, and and the, it, the tone went like this, da-da-da-da-da-da. And the second time I heard it, it I not only heard it, but I felt it. I felt the vibration of those tones as they played in my head and I was hearing them. So that place in my head was at the base of my skull uh, as it attaches to the spine. That's exactly where I felt uh, this vibration and heard sound. It happened one more time within a, another couple of minutes after after that second incident and then never again. And that has been almost 10 years ago now. I, I wish I could give you an exact date when that happened, but I, I don't have it. But it was it really got my attention. <laughs> and at that time, I felt like maybe I had had an implant or something. So that was always in the back of my mind yeah. that something happened to me, that there was something placed in me. But I couldn't feel anything. and And so, you know, I wasn't at that point, I didn't do anything else about it. About the the same period, uh, I remember I also saw a UFO aircraft, uh, a UFO craft. I was coming up the, the 33 into Ojai, and it was in the evening, 10, 10.30 at night, after being in L.A. the day with my sister-in-law. And what what was strange to me, because Ojai is pretty dark, we don't have a lot of street lights up here as you come up into the valley, and so this craft was was off uh, in the distance, but it wasn't like it was straight up, like you would, you know, look up at the the stars. Not not like that. It was above the tree level, and 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 it was clear enough and low enough that I saw the lights. There were lights completely encircling this UFO, and they were different colors. 
it wasn't all white lights. They were, you know, red, uh, blue, maybe yellow, perhaps white, green. I just, you know, it's just like to me, I always said they look like Christmas tree lights that were on the uh, supposedly the bottom of this craft. And as I was going uh, up the 33, there's there are hills that come down right next to the road there. And so this, this aircraft or this UFO, um, it wasn't as though it was flying. My sense of it was that it was floating. And so as it floated across the, the road where I was driving, it went into an area where there are indeed more hills. And I thought, and, and I lost vision of it as I was headed around uh, one of the hills next to the road. So I thought, oh, as soon as I get around this road, I'll be able to uh, follow the craft because I know there's a, there's a street that takes me up into a little bit higher uh, area in the hills there where there's a, a residential area. And as soon as I, I round that hill that comes down next to the road and had clear vision, that that craft was gone. And we're talking about seconds later. It, it just, you know, for, for as fast as I felt it was moving, that it was more floating across the road. And then all of a sudden, within a few seconds, it's not there. That was astounding to me. So I came home and I, I told Bob about it. And, uh, you know, again, just sort of, put it off set or uh, put it in the department of isn't that interesting and I've seen a UFO and add that to my life history here that I've seen a, a UFO. Um, it was in about 19, or, uh, 2013 when Bob was invited to speak at uh, the Ciro group with Yvonne Smith's group about mm-hmm. his UFO uh, story. And at that meeting, uh, we met a man who uh, had equipment uh, to analyze if people had had ET contact. And that was something I was really curious about because of what had happened to me in Manhattan Beach and, and the tones in my head uh, <coughs> that I experienced while living here in Ojai. And Bob was was not as um, convinced, I guess, about using this kind of equipment uh, in determining if either of us had had contact or not. But finally, it was the following spring, about March of this year, that we were at another of, of Yvonne's meetings. And um, the whole thought process came up to me again about, I, I can't let this go. I need to know if I've had an implant. Something happened to me. So... We talked about it again and decided to contact this man and uh, ask him to bring his equipment out to the house to do some investigative uh, work here at the house. So he came out here uh, in late March to our home and brought with him uh, the following equipment. He brought a metal detector, a gauss meter, and a black mineral light. Um, when he first came, he, he he used the black mineral light first, and we went to the, the various uh, bedrooms in the house. And according to him, he said that when ET has been present or visitations, that they leave a residue behind that can be picked up by black mineral lights. And there's sort of a, um, a residue of a fluorescence uh, that will be on the walls and the floors and so right away, you know, a lot of this yellow fluorescence started popping up as he we turned off the, the ceiling lights, the lights in the room, but he used the black mineral light. And there were things all over the walls. And in the one set front bedroom, there was something that actually looked like uh, two or three fingerprint uh, in, uh, that were on the wall close to the window area. So... 
that was beginning to be a little freaky. <laughs> it's like yeah, we felt that it might have happened, but we weren't sure. But now that you're you're, you're being presented with this, you know, kind of hard or this, you know, approach of of using this mineral light and and that those are indications of their presence. That that started to really make me a little a little nervous, but. We went uh, back to the bedroom area where where we sleep, and again there were this this fluorescent the yellow fluorescence on the walls. But he also uh, uh, put it on our body. Now we were fully clothed, and so the only uh, parts of the bodies where he uh, had the black light were our hands and our arms. Well, uh, on on my left hand, on the index finger. When he put the black light on there, there was this fluorescent blue light uh, that was uh, on my index finger. And on Bob, there was a fluorescent red uh, on uh, between uh, in the webbing of his finger between his little finger and the next finger over. So I said, my goodness, I said, how long ago do you think this, this happened? Thinking, you know, we're talking weeks or months. He said, oh, just a few days ago. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, considering what I'm seeing here at the house and, and that those marks, those fresh fluorescent marks on your body, he said, I would turn you frequent flyers. Well, <laughs> oh boy, that, that was information that has always stayed with me. And it's like, how many times has this happened? So uh, he also used the Gauss meter uh, on our bodies, and our indications were about 10 points, I believe, above normal for um, uh, Bobby. What is the the Gauss meter? It, it indicates uh, uh, mag, mag, magnetic, magnetic field. Right. Magnetic field. So our magnetic magnetic fields were about 10 points ab- above normal. And he did use the metal detector on us, but neither of us had any real definitive um, uh you know, information about the fact that we had any metal implants. We do. We did find out later that that it isn't always metallic. That these implants uh, are fibrous, so metal detectors wouldn't necessarily pick up the fact that that there's an implant in somebody. Um, the fibrous ones obviously are are not metallic, so they wouldn't show. So that was on March 28th, and um, the following Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, um, I have a dream. And I, generally speaking, I know I dream every night, but I don't remember my dreams like 90% of the time. Bob's always asking me, did you dream last night? Yeah. What did you dream about? I don't remember. Okay, so that's the usual pattern that that I go through. I, 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 if I don't really focus on it in the very beginning when I wake up, it's lost. I, I can't retrieve yeah. it. So at this point, I have a dream, and in the dream, a tall white being comes to me, and it has a very gentle, loving, and compassionate energy about it, so I was not afraid. The being had no hair and had uh, eyes that were not as big as the ones that you see with the typical ET. Um, and so the the being takes my hand and takes me out through what I think is the wall. 
in the dream. It, the being takes me through the wall. And in the process of doing that, this this white light, there's just an explosion of light. And it's like every molecule was being scattered and moved out from my very core to all directions. That was the feeling and the sight that I had within the dream. And so the next morning when I woke up, I remembered that dream. I have never had a dream about an ET before at all that I remember. So I shared that information with Bob. And uh, and then I started uh, noticing that there were uh, like puncture wounds on my wrist. Uh, it was on my right wrist and they were probably within an inch of each other and they didn't itch. So because there was a consideration, well, are these spider bites or some other kind of insect bite? But there was no itch to it, but they were clearly reddened. And then just a few inches or a couple inches away from where those were on the other side of the arm was uh, something that looked like somebody had taken perhaps an exacto knife and made a scratch across my skin. It was very straight. And again, it was probably about an inch to an inch and a half long. Then on my upper left arm, uh, I noticed I had two, I I thought it was two, Bob said it was three. We did take pictures of these. Uh, About the same situation, the same uh, distance apart, uh, two or three more um, uh, puncture-type, needle-type marks on my skin and my upper left arm, and then a a real wide patch of red, red and skin like somebody had uh, uh, rubbed me really or restrained me or something, and then there was a patch of normal white skin and then more red skin. So I felt like those indications appeared as though maybe I had been restrained for some reason. So that was that next morning on uh, on Wednesday. A, a couple days later, I, for some reason, had just simply touched the top of my head. And as I moved my hair at my crown, every hair hurt. Every follicle hurt. And then I felt a bump on the top of my head. And I thought, oh, for crying out loud, I must have gone through that wall or a dimension or something. But anyway, I felt this bump on the top of my head. So I I went to Bob and I said, I didn't tell him what I felt because I wanted his feedback. And I said, would you touch the top of my head and, and let me know what you think? And he felt the top of my head, and he said, there's a bump up there. And I said, yeah, <laughs> and it mm. hurts to move there. So that was the, the next part of it. It just was more and more physical uh, sensations and indications that something had happened. It wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just my imagination. About 10 days um, after that, I'm outside and I'm pulling weeds on a, an area where we have a path behind our bedroom area that has bark on it, so it's not cemented. And I'm always back there picking uh, picking weeds out because they pop up all the time. And this was, you know, in, at this point we're in April. So weeds were sort of popping up everywhere. So I'm back there picking the, uh, the weeds. And all of a sudden I noticed this piece of uh, metal it looked like a, a, a golf ball size, something or other. And I picked it up, and, and it was rusted looking, and it was heavy. And 
and I thought, well, this is unusual. You know, I'm back here picking these weeds out all the time. I've never seen anything like this before, so that got my attention. And then I had remembered that Bob told me that there were reports from other UFO uh, sightings that there was molten metals seen dripping from the ship or ships. Yes. And so I said to myself, I better take this in and show him what I have here. So I took it in the house and I gave it to him and I said, what do you think of this? I just found this outside our bedroom window. And it was right next to the foundation under the window. And... um he said, well, that's very interesting, and he looked at it and was turning it around. It looked as though it had been um, uh, something else previous to the form that I found, that it had been highly heated, melted somehow, and there was a, a, a folding over that was a, a part of the, the artifact itself. But it was very heavy, and we decided that we were going to keep it because it was most interesting, tied in with you know the, everything else that had happened previous to that. So about an hour later, he comes back in the house again, and he said, oh, guess what I found? Oh, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I don't know what. Now, this is where you and live now, too, right? This is where we live now. This was just this, this past recent. spring. Yes, this is recent. This is recent. I think I saw this. This was not even a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, uh, he came back in the house, and he said, guess what I found? I said, What? And so he showed me another piece of this type of material. Again, it looked like rusted metal, iron. And um, and so now we had two, and I said, you've got to show me where you found that. So we went outside, and he showed me where it was on the walkway. And it was probably no more than about the width. The width of our walkway is probably about two and a half feet. So the one that I found was right next to the foundation, under the window, and the one that he found was just across the walkway about two and a half feet away. So in our minds, we're thinking, really, did a raccoon walk up here with both of these in their mouth and drop them off in our backyard, so to speak? It didn't make sense how they got there. So uh, at this point, we are... Uh, and I, I'll, I'll let Bob go on with this because we are in the process of trying to find a lab who will give us uh, uh, an honest evaluation about, you know, what these things are. Yes. So that is... <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> these objects, uh, like Marilyn said, um, are, are unusual uh, because it, it looks like they've either been in an explosion or they've been exposed to very high heat um, because uh, they look like they've been folded over and um, bent and uh, distorted. And um, and again, uh, we can't explain how these objects could have gotten there because we do have raccoons come around from time to time, but and um, other little animals, uh, even coyotes, but uh, we we just can't imagine uh, these animals bringing uh, these. These are very heavy uh, uh, metal objects, uh, putting them in their mouths and uh, just dropping them there. So they had to come from above, uh, and uh, so. Uh, we have tried to get these analyzed. We've gone through a couple of labs, and both times, uh, I'm just going to say that we were stonewalled. 
what? Uh, I, I won't go into any detail other than the fact that okay. uh, we we did send samples. Uh, I went ahead and cut uh, samples from from these objects, sent them to the labs. But uh, at each time the lab was you know interested in, in doing an analysis, I talked to them on the phone. We went through a lot of detail as to exactly what kind of analysis. Uh, and basically, I'm looking for. Uh, uh, elemental analysis, in other words, what what elements const, constitute in the, in the objects, and uh, also any isotopes, because there there have been other um, implants, metal implants. I know uh, Dr. Lear has uh, uh, the late Dr. Lear has uh, evidence of uh, 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 of implants in metallic form and. Uh, and has done analysis on those. I mean, we wanted to see if we could make a comparison, but um, yeah. uh, we're not getting any, anywhere here, so we, we're even thinking of going out of country to get this done. But well, we'll why are they on. having a problem with giving you a report? I don't, I don't get it. They just, they just drop well, it? Well, uh, I think uh, one of the reasons is because, like I said, uh, other people have sent... Uh, the artifacts to these labs, uh, and and then later, uh, uh, you know, it's been indicated that uh, some of the isotopes found in those artifacts were off Earth. In other words, oh. uh, they're not normally found on Earth. Uh, so uh, I think they want to to get away from the idea that they are. Uh, dealing with some extraterrestrial object, uh, the laboratories uh, probably don't want that kind of notoriety. Wait, you may I interject? What, Go ahead. Uh, what we did find out from the metallurgist uh, was number one, uh, it was highly magnetic was the term that he used, and also it was highly polished. When when Bob cut a piece uh, from one of the artifacts to send it in for analysis, it was like this, the, a sliver of a fingernail size type thing. And we noticed then, and we were surprised, I think both of us, to see that the inside of it looked nothing like the outside of it, which looked very much like the, the outside looked like rusted iron. The inside yeah. was extremely shiny. It was it was like aluminum and something else to get, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I yeah. can't even begin I would to never describe to you that. the difference of what was inside versus what shown on the outside. And it took him a long time. He used a Dremel saw and encircled it with some uh, um, uh, a device to keep it from splattering all over the place, like a plexiglass shield. And there were sparks flying everywhere. I took a video of it, and it took between uh, 10 and 15 minutes basically to cut a size of a fingernail piece off of one of these uh, objects. So it was very it was very difficult uh, to, to make that cut. It wasn't simple. Well, I think that, okay, somebody's making a comment in chat. It may probably be good business for someone who specializes in this type of research. Open up a lab mm-hmm. with all kinds of specialists where people can employ them for analysis. That's from Claudette Huber. And and she's really, she's right. Uh, because I think that people, instead of rejecting it and being afraid, like, gosh, this is, this has been going on forever, and to have people react like that is so 
irritating to me when somebody could be capitalizing on this. Well, let's go ahead and and do the analysis and be objective and just present present the right. evidence. Just give us the science. That's right. Yes. Yeah, wow. we thought it would be easy too. <laughs> well, or, that's uh, weird. Mm-hmm. We agree. I I would that's never, why we're thinking okay, about maybe I out of country. Maybe out of the country, and they, I'm just wondering. Um, Hopefully somebody has some contact so somebody would actually give, you know, the real analysis. And uh, I'm glad you have enough of the material that... Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah we, because... We certainly do. Right. Yeah, so excellent. And in safekeeping, too, I might add. <laughs> it's what? And in safekeeping, too, I might That's, add. So I was just thinking that if... Because on the outside, it does look rusted. If you're saying it looks like that on the inside, I would never have thought that in a million years, really. It even mm-hmm. had a content that would be shiny like that. That's, that's yeah, strange. extremely shiny. Like like the um, metallurgist said, it was highly polished. You could never tell that's that. Strange. That the yeah, very strange. Maybe, maybe that moltenness is like from... Did they check the radiation on there or anything? Would they give you any information? Bobby? Uh, no, okay. they have not radiation really. Or... Uh, and we haven't checked it for radiation. So. Hmm. But... <laughs> wow. Okay, so now, if you have noticed, okay, because I've noticed that uh, Marilyn has a gift and... Uh, Bob, you were really uh, open-minded, but you remind me also of somebody that has science background because uh, you're, I don't know, the way you're, you intelligently go through this. I don't know what your personal, uh, Bob, why don't you tell us some of your personal interests? Uh, are you interested in science and uh, things like that? Of course, yeah. I, yeah, I'm very yeah. interested in science and mathematics. Uh, and I still teach math. Um uh, but yeah, basically, I'm a left brainer. I was um, trained uh, as an engineer. You know, I got my master's degree in aerospace engineering or aeronautical engineering, and um, that's basically my bed. However, I'm I'm trying to uh, balance myself out, so to speak, you know, and um, and get into my right side of my brain. <laughs> and, and again, we being get, around me. Yeah, I think Marilyn had that influence on me. But, uh, I think it's a good one because uh, it's, it's, it's actually good. like an opening up to a whole different range of things. And um, I I know that uh, Kathleen Martin and uh, Denise uh, Stoner, Stoner. Are, yeah, Stoner, they're doing work on uh, working with experiencers and uh, they, you know, are kind of doing some amazing things. They're actually trying a scientific way to get, uh, to, to have, uh, you know, take notes from all these people that have experiences and what they have in common and everything else. Mm-hmm. And there yeah. are some things that they seem to have in common. But, uh, yeah. that, uh, go ahead. No, what are those? What are the things in common? You know them? Okay. So what they, they do is that they have the people that have experienced UFOs uh, do have uh, many health problems, but they tend to be along the same line. And you can find this questionnaire, let's see, at the Martin Stoner study on commonalities among abductee experiencers. And uh, you can just Google them, Kathleen Martin, 
Kathleen-Martin.com is where this is at. And they have uh, the people that they have ex- uh, trouble sleeping. 74% have trouble oh. sleeping or even staying yeah. asleep. You can't fall yeah. asleep. Once you're asleep, you don't stay asleep. And yeah, then migraines. Right. I don't know yeah, if, they're, don't if you problem. guys are having mm-hmm. headaches. And mm-hmm. uh, that's good. And um, they are talking about them thinking that they, people have implants. Have you had, um, let's see, what age that you think this started? Did any of you, did either one of you experience anything unusual when you were at, with your families or when you were young? Did, was there something in the well, house you used to have a saying that so-and-so, oh, uncle, somebody uh, saw ghosts or, you know? Yeah. Well, Bobby has no, stories about you, that. I don't. I can tell you one story uh, okay. about my mother. She used to talk about this, um, you know, when we have big family gatherings uh, from time to time just to entertain us. Um, but when she was, um, the story goes like this, when she was about 12 years old, uh, she was living in Chandler, Arizona, uh, with her sisters, and um, on this particular night, they uh, had a sleepover. You know, they, uh, as teenagers will, they, they went over to their cousin's house and had a sleepover. And and sometime in the middle of the night, uh, my mother wakes up and sees this tall white person in a long white gown. She said. Uh, uh, she kind of yells out, the other kids wake up and see her also. Uh, and apparently she's smiling, or my mother thinks she's smiling at her. Um, uh, then the this person just kind of disappears. Nobody recognized her. And in that time, we're talking about 1920 or so, mm-hmm. um, uh, Chandler was a small community. It was just a, a little town Um and everybody knew each other in, in that particular area. Um, and nobody recognized this person, not as a neighbor or anybody else. They'd never seen her before. Well, the next night, uh, same scenario. My mother's asleep, and uh, she's wakened by what she described as a midget uh, who's whispering in her ear uh, some strange language that she didn't understand. And she wakes up and yells out again, and apparently some of the other sisters see this so-called midget uh, scurry off. Uh, so um, my mother used to, again, tell us this story from time to time. I, uh, and when I went public with my UFO story, I asked her if she thought these were extraterrestrial beings, and she just poo-pooed the whole idea. But uh, to me, it's um, uh, another part uh, another, you know, similar to other stories that have been told, uh, you know, tall white and uh, small, small beings. Very familiar. I have not seen any any tall whites, but uh, a lot of short little blue and green guys. You know, yeah. and other, but mostly what my what mine look like are animals, like birds or insects or things like that. I never. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen them for what they really are. They always turn mm-hmm. out looking like a bird or an ant to me. You know, I just mm-hmm. find the whole thing pretty horrifying. So it says, uh, okay, conscious recall. 88% of their abduction memories were consciously recalled. 
86%. That's 88%. 56 through dreams, 36 through who's hypnosis, and 16% says like flashbacks. And uh, have you ever had any kind of flashback or thought you saw something odd? Hmm. Uh, concerning an experience of yeah, because. Being a- Okay, like there's times that I've had flashbacks, but it really real. I thought, okay, I'm tired, but I would be like driving home from work when a lot of times this happens. So I am tired, so I go into what I call this free form thinking. Right, this guy was actually carrying a box down the street, but he had a limp. Right, and I had mm-hmm. flashbacks for this very frightening way that they walk, like they have one longer leg than the other, and I was oh. like, I, I am. This it's it's interfering with my conscious every day, even though I don't think mm-hmm. like this every day. I don't think about it because I work uh, I work uh, full time, you know. I don't get mm-hmm. home so late, and uh, I um I, it still interferes with my reality, so to speak. Yeah, no, I can't say that I've had anything quite like that. I think most of most of my um, I think my connection to to their world so to speak, yeah. is also, I guess, our world too. But but um, I think a lot of the healing work that I do, I, uh, I know intuitively. I have not uh, really been somebody who, who has uh, gone to seek a lot of uh, instruction in uh, doing energy work, in healing work. Um, I, <clears throat> I really feel that my my connections are intuitive and that I am given, even downloaded, if you want to use that word, with information, which I feel those things from time to time, like, you know, downloads of information coming in. And and uh, I, I know, too, I don't know, you on when you were promoting our talk, our interview mm-hmm. this evening, you had a picture of the uh, meditation tea house. Yeah, that the beautiful tea house. Bob Bob has just about completed. I think we're uh, like ninety nine percent. I'm still I'm still doing doing some decorating uh, little little adjustments here and there. But basically, that that meditation tea house is a result of conversations that we've had that both of us felt that uh, you know you know that film uh, uh, build it uh, the dream of uh, field of dreams uh, build it and they will come. It, it's almost like we were compelled uh, and directed and guided to build this meditation tea house. Uh, mostly it, it is for us and in, in our our commune with um, <clears throat> the ET world and um, and guidance. So that is, that was very strong. That That is something that we're looking forward to and we do feel strongly that there will be more information uh, down the road that will probably come through as a result of, of being in this house, this meditation tea house, because it is, it, I told Bobby, I said, when you build it, I said, it cannot have any electricity, none. Oh, yeah. It has to set free of electricity, uh, electrical interference. And we have on, on, on the roof, there is a copper cap up there, and on top of the copper cap, there is a crystal and down underneath, there's another crystal that points down into it, and then we have crystals all around uh, the perimeter of it on, on, on the upper part of the walls, uh, rose quartz and amethyst. <laughs> and so those are, those are the colors 
and uh, the crystals uh, that you know we have in there to help facilitate uh, this connection that we're we're uh, trying to achieve. I think that's so for the best. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of uh, electrical interference, and uh, it's not good. So you you were right on that because you know this is something that the people that uh, the scientists and then the uh, the paranormal people or the side people, or, you know, they get kind of embarrassed when really the UFO and the science of the UFO and everything else, a lot of it uh, is also accompanied by paranormal things. Mm-hmm. Like the people are gifted, right. that they are psychic, that they, you know, over and over, they're, or they're natural or remote viewers or all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, what do you think is, okay, so I'll, okay, okay, Bob, what's your agenda? What do you think? Just throw that one out there. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, this is one of the recurring themes that people have been taking, and that is that they, when they are brought on board, they, uh, especially as children, uh, they are taught uh, paranormal things like kinesiology or para, uh, uh, reading people's minds, uh, things like that. Now, I'm going to say, uh, Marilyn may or may not agree with me, but I, I think. Uh, she has been taken and uh, also either taught or given this gift of of healing. I think um, uh, she's uh, very, Marilyn is a very nurturing uh, person who, who wants to help others. She's also a peacemaker. And, uh, and again, these are the kinds of things that I think E.T. would like uh, humans to be um, uh, more of, uh, in other words, peacemaking, nurturing, helping each other, loving each other, uh, so that we can all come together and make this planet a better place. Uh, so I think that is definitely one of their objectives. Of course, this is my speculation. I have no evidence about this. But um, uh, I will mention that I've had a a couple of dreams, and this comes in the dream category, as far as I know, uh, where uh, I see Marilyn uh, on board the craft. So we're we're both somewhere else, uh, apparently in some other room or place, and uh, I've seen her um, in one in one one dream. I see her at a a very large computer station where. where screen where she's being taught something by another being um, and um, in another dream I see her in what appears to me like a very large uh, almost like a factory area where she's directing construction of something uh, with other people or beings around her um, uh, I, I, you know I, I don't know this is all relatively new to us so we're, we're, we're trying mm-hmm. to make sense of it and, and like Marilyn said one of, the, one of the reasons we did and, and we both decided uh, to build this tea house and we've both been a part of the de- uh, designing it you know we uh, was so that we can uh, try to get more answers try to commune with the cosmos in some way and uh, and, and bring greater understanding I, and I think that's Happening, uh, Shar, you may want to give your opinion on this, but I think uh, yeah. 
uh, the more and more uh, memories will be coming back from experiencers, and and the consciousness level of the planet uh, is is going to be changing, uh, rising, hopefully. Yeah, we all we all do feel the same way. Uh, it seems like uh, every different person has a different uh, skill, and we're all like coming together, and the pieces are fitting. Um, right. It's it's uh, it's so it's happening so strange and so subtly. I don't know if that's intentional, but it's like a slow waking up to a mm-hmm. reality that mm-hmm. must have always been there, but we're just now being aware of it. Because I think right. if it didn't, if it happened the other way, I think that we would resist more. We're just like being spoon fed a tiny bit at a time, so we can handle it. You know, it's a it's a phenomenal right. thing. I mean, or people would be flying around on their own. Probably, I don't know what the extent of this is, but I know that uh, people are psychic. They're clairvoyant. They they heal. They can do amazing things. And we're only using us a very tiny part of ourselves to do this. I mean, if we really had control over it, oh, my God. I know. There was something interesting that happened to me recently. Uh, I'm sure you've probably heard of the story of the 100th monkey uh, on uh, an island where, you know, uh, monkeys were taught to to wash their food. And then when it got to the number of uh, the 100th monkey, uh, it seemed to take on an energy where it affected the monkeys on the next island. (laughs) That they... They kind of got it, and they started washing their food. So that that's the whole the whole thing around the hundredth monkey. Well, when I was on a plane uh, this past Thanksgiving, going from um, well, I went from Los Angeles to uh, Phoenix, and then from Phoenix to El Paso. I was visiting uh, relatives in New Mexico, and El Paso was the airport they took me into. So I'm on this little kind of a commuter aircraft that you know it's not a, a really big plane, but and it was kind of noisy because it was a smaller plane. But what was so interesting to me is that in the uh, across the aisle from me, there were two men who were about, I would say they were in their 30s or early 40s at the most. And and some of the words that, that drifted over in, in, you know, into my ear from their conversation were things like consciousness, <laughs> awareness. Wow. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, I found the hundredth monkey. You know, here we are on a little, a little, oh, that's oh going from Phoenix to El Paso, and it's like they are talking about the very things that that you know we share in conversation almost daily, but you don't hear in the general public very often. And and so uh, you know, and and we see things on TV every once in a while. One of the news people will will use the word karma. <laughs> so, you know, we, yeah, we giggle sure. we hear things like that. It's like those words are, are finally seeping into the mainstream. And I think the whole thing around uh, the consciousness and awareness and, and being psychic and, and intuitive and things like that, it's gone to another level. It, it, it really, and this, this one man... Uh, who was, uh, you know, sort of new to all this because the other guy was sharing all his information. And he thanked him for it when the flight was over. I heard him thanking him and wishing him well because this this other gentleman was off to do, you know, uh, some spiritual work in the community someplace. And so, you know, he, he was so appreciative of, of hearing his perspective about 
about spirituality, I guess is what I'm trying yeah. No, I think yeah. it's 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 coming together. I mean, people from uh from everywhere like how would we all meet each other is bizarre to me. I don't I don't know. It's I know that we're all like kind of going in the same circle, but living near the same place, having the same experiences. Uh, it's very odd yeah. to me. I'm still kind of like letting it uh, sink in or filter up. I don't even know what to how to call it, but because um, the experiences I had over there were so many and so intense, I really had to get help because I mm-hmm. thought, you know, things are, like, out of control. Uh, one time I was taken out of my house. I was in my nightgown hanging on a tree. Now, this is my dream, oh. but really it wasn't mm-hmm. really a dream because I turned around and my neighbors on the second story next door, because I was in a one-story, but the next door was a two-story apartment. They were living above. They came out in their pajamas. And I screamed to them, help me. And they said, we can't help you. And they were we in shock. Help. They were in shock standing there watching this happen to me. And huh. then you hope it doesn't happen to your children because uh, it has been happening to me since childhood. But uh, my son said he was looking out the window and he saw something that looked like a big orange a thing on fire on the yard next door, the one on the yard I'm talking to you about. It had like a big front, and then there was a tree, and then there was the apartment. But he said, and I said, what did you see? And I remember blocking it out immediately. And he has a lot of mm-hmm. psychic abilities. He's the kind mm-hmm. that sees ghosts and stuff like that. I just know that I don't see anything, but he sees mm-hmm. things. So he's oh, he sees things. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he, he's like the ghost whisperer. <laughs> but I didn't like it. I didn't like it gift. thinking that my kids... Yeah, it's a gift, but I, I didn't like it because I thought my kids were getting abducted too. Like, I didn't want to think like that. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, because you, you're not sure what goes on. Have you thought about that? Uh, well, you know, I, we're just not real sure about our kids. We don't usually, you know, talk about anything to do with our kids when it, it comes to this yeah. this uh, subject yeah. matter. Because they both okay. have their own private lives, but um, you know, we 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 just know that they kind of tolerate us. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't that they don't believe, but <laughs> it's 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 not their realm. <laughs> well, I can understand this because uh, uh, that you're okay. Let's, let's talk about the tea house again because it's such a, it's so exquisite and beautiful and artistic. And um, let's just think of where that's coming from inside of you guys. You know what I'm saying? This is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's beautiful. No, it, yeah. it is a beautiful thing. And Bobby, do you want to uh, share how how that vision came to you? Uh, well, again, uh, we have been taken, and uh, I think that they will call them ET. Is, is still communicating with us in various ways and uh, ways we probably are not aware of. And um, yeah. I guess my feeling was I wanted to have more of a, a direct line of communication with uh, ET or the cosmos. And, uh, and of course, Marilyn and her healing work brings in energy from um, from that level. Um, so I said, "What well, we have 
we have difficulty. You know, we, we've got a living space here in the house, which is is great, but we we need a special place to go to to kind of meditate, uh, learn how to meditate, and, and learn how to get uh, within and uh, and try try to communicate in, in some way. So I think we both kind of had that thought uh, almost at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so it was last May. Uh, you know, I brought it up, and Marilyn agreed that we should give it a try. And so uh, I said, "Okay, we've got this space out here. Let me let me start building." <laughs> we, it was basically like that. We didn't even have a plan. We didn't have any plans. No no design. So I was wondering, and did you have a plan, or how did you you just no. did it? Wow. Well, we just did it. Yeah. Uh, and beautiful. Once I de- once I decide to do something, I just do it. Yeah, so, right. uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's goal oriented, so, believe me. <laughs> I like that. I like yeah. that though because you're kind of impelled to do certain things. You know what I mean? I have been uh uh I've felt impelled to go and just work in the community uh and go help and then uh now I'm sort of like, Okay, I'm gonna do this for just to few more years and I'm retired, I'm not going to go into my art life, you know, because I've been trying to write a book. Mm. It's taken me forever just to keep adding stories. But uh, because uh, do you find that that your spiritual life is big now, like just to be right with yourself and others and to uh, be good with your environment? Is that like a big deal in your guys' life? Yes, absolutely. I think it's we're more, both Meryl and I are more and more cognizant of, uh, you know, our role here on earth and uh, how we can being responsible, do better, be responsible. And absolutely. Um, You know, we, we do our best. Um, And um, I don't know if you want to add anything more to that, honey, but uh, we're, we're just trying to uh, be better citizens of the planet. And uh, yeah, and right. figure out how 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 we can help help things along because we are in a critical stage right now. I believe uh, there's some major major problems that are facing humanity as a whole. You know, uh, right here in the Ojai Valley, we have uh, a serious drought problem uh, all over yes. California. But well, here in eight years, Ojai, eight years of drought, uh, and that's. And that's going to be a problem worldwide with, with global warming as uh, temperatures rise. And uh, if we don't get control of that global warming issue, um, it's just going to be a we get worse and worse, right? And then we have the population overpopulation by the year. Right now, we're about 7.5 billion people on the planet. Uh, by 2050, we'll be at least nine or billion or more. And where's the food going to come from? Where's the water going to come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, nuclear weapons, of course, is my main uh, issue. Yeah. Uh, it's still a problem. Where's the waste go? Yeah. Serious problem. Uh, nuclear waste and uh, even nuclear energy is a serious problem. So uh, I, uh, it's it's time. It's time that we all uh, became uh, coherent and worked together uh, focused on on these major issues, uh, we've got to do it as uh, a civilization, not not as a series of little nations um, or different religions, for that matter. Yeah, yeah it has to go yeah. beyond uh, religious belief. 
you know, you just have and to... And political uh, police. That's a biggie because there's so... I think uh, people held their breath for about one day on Christmas. I don't know. And then the whole hatred started in again. I went, oh, my God. I don't I get it. I, I don't get the hatred and the, the lack of care for others. And uh, I, I don't understand what's going on. Like, everybody's polarizing right now. And I don't I don't get it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. We we see it, too. And, and it gets to the ugly stage. And, you know, it doesn't yeah. get ugly realize people can have their di- their differences and their their disagreements well, over things but but yeah, uh, out, of, out of these uh, disastrous events uh, like uh, uh, the incident in, in Paris recently um uh, now we've got more and more people talking about well, how how do we stop this from happening you know and uh and so that's good that's that's a good outcome of of a terrible thing that happened uh, it's bringing people together Try to solve yeah. this particular problem of uh, worldwide terrorism. Uh, but it's a shame that these terrible things have to happen to get people to start talking about it. But uh, so I, yeah, I need to think that we, we have to have a, right. I need to think that we have we we'd have to have some uh, you know, crazy individuals um, get a hold of a nuclear weapon or a dirty weapon and. Uh, and explode that in order for us to realize that we've got to get rid of all nuclear weapons. But, uh, yes. No nukes, that's for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, uh, I'm, I'm appalled by it. It's always gone on, and it's just like a corrosive thread of fear and anger. And uh, it's somebody's pitiful life that they want to spread around. You know what I mean? It's like that. I'm miserable, so mm-hmm. everybody else has to be too. Because I don't, I just don't get it. I don't get it. We have, all have too much to lose. We have a beautiful planet here. You know, it's still Absolutely. beautiful. I know, and it's like, do they not stop and think of what they're doing for their own future generations? That you know, what is this place going to look like? I can remember, I I heard. I read uh, Chet Snow's uh, book, uh, uh, The Remote Viewer. This was in the 90s. And, um, you know, a group of remote viewers were asked, basically, you know, what is the world going to look like in 2050? And um, if my memory serves me correctly, um, you know, it it was uh, basically most of them or all of them came back to some degree and said a lot less people. <laughs> a lot less. Wow. So, um, you know, we we need to really start changing things now before that manifests. And there are a lot less people on this planet. I mean, there's uh, granted, you know, uh, 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 the planet can only sustain so much, and the planet will do what the planet needs to do. But uh, we don't need to help that along for <laughs> by any means. Oh, no. And for us to make each other miserable, you know, um, just like those guys in Paris, like what, what, they don't need to make sense to me anymore. I just feel like they're out of control babies mm-hmm. with guns. You know, they right. don't make any sense anymore, and they're just haters. So, you know, I we have a question from the gallery. Uh, how about, how do you mm-hmm. feel about Steve Bassett's effort? Now, he's really out there doing it. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. 
how how what do you say? How do you feel about Stephen Bassett's uh, efforts? Bassett. Oh, Stephen Bassett. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I gotta give him an A for trying. Uh, he's <laughs> he's been at this yeah. a long time, um, and he's still he's still pushing for disclosure. Um, uh, of course, I support what he's doing right now, which is uh, I believe he sent video of uh, the citizens' hearing on disclosure that we had twenty thirteen. Yeah. To each and every congressperson, uh, Senate and Congress, and um, and now he's he's uh, uh, pursuing this petition. Uh, uh, if we can get a hundred thousand signatures, by the way, uh, if you're listening out there, please go to that website and um, it's called We the People, uh, and it's all it's, all it is is asking um, uh, the, the president. Uh, uh, to uh, reveal what it knows about the UFO phenomenon, and it's a petition, and they need a hundred thousand signatures by, um, I think, the end of uh, February. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, first part of February, isn't it? Yeah, thirty days. Okay, so, so let's uh, get it out there. So the site yeah. is uh, www. the people. Uh, something like that. I don't have a right. Something like that. Of, I, have, it, I have somebody's going to look it up. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, hats off to Stephen Bassett for for pursuing this, uh, and uh, he's he's been at it a long time. Um, uh, we do need disclose. We need we need the government to um, uh, fess up. Uh, they've been lying to the public all these years. Uh, uh, and it's obvious that the phenomenon is real. There have been so many uh, credible witnesses come forward. Uh, so, um, and, and we need to be part of the conversation. This should not be uh, some secret uh, that's being controlled by, uh, you know, CIA or NSA or whoever exactly. involved in this. Yeah. Yeah, because it's so ridiculous. Okay, we got it here. It's www.citizenhearing.org slash witnesses, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. So that's where you're going to find it. It's www.citizenhearing.org. And okay. uh, this says witnesses. So everybody go over there and sign the petition. Uh, we do need to have full disclosure. I resent the fact that, you know, we uh, pay our taxes to the government and then the government goes around and stabs us in the back by keeping secrets and things like that mm-hmm. that uh, could help a lot of us. You know, we're walking around. Who knows how many people, because uh, I was really suffering in the 80s because I was, uh, I still uh, get abducted to this day, um, and I ha- but I have more strength about me for some reason. But uh, I uh, was seeking help, and, you know, then I thought when I wrote that letter, I thought they're going to come get me, you know. The the men in black are coming and whatever. I thought, uh, just go to www.citizenhearing.org. It's so simple. Just go to that address. But anyway, I thought they're going to come and get me. And how can you be honest and authentic in your life when you got this big secret uh, whole life in a box? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I literally yeah. started coming out. I think I was uh, that was two years ago. When that when we were in Roswell that time, and uh, after when I was sitting there, I was thinking, 
why am I living in like a little box, you know, with this? <laughs> you know, I support mm-hmm. everybody. I believe it. I go to the meetings. I go to support group. Yet I'm not sticking my neck out because of uh, they. So I just started sticking my neck out. Please, and I got a show. So that's what happened. happened. Thank you, Char. Thank you. So now I'm putting it on the airwaves, and now they can't shut me up. And everybody else. So I'm telling everybody to keep talking because we got to keep. We have to normalize this whole situation. We have to normalize. We have to normalize the unusual. Yes, this whole gray set of life is not working for me. It's not working for you. It's not working for you, Bob. I know. That's why you're pushed to create, to, to expand. I think we're pushed to just lay there and die or take drugs. I don't know what else to say to anybody. You know, either live authentically, live big, or go hide under a rock. To the credit of people like you and people like Bob and Stephen Bass and so many other wonderful people out there mm-hmm. speaking their truth, that that you know the the belief in in the whole UFO uh, phenomenon and life in other places on other planets and other star systems, uh, over fifty percent of the people do believe in that because they're number one they're hearing it and number two, many of those people are having their own experiences. So uh, it's it's I think it's that hundreds monkey thing <laughs> coming back. Yeah, it uh, is to haunt us again. That more and more people talk about it and and do and do what they can do in in their own worlds uh you know their own personal uh, worlds that eventually that energy will will you know radiate out and affect other people it will affect the general consciousness and that's certainly what what we're trying to achieve here is is you know we just want people to right. know the truth yeah, yeah. Now, so you know that that that's public disclosure but uh ET has its own uh, their own way of disclosing. Uh, obviously, they they've shown the world that they're here. They're, you know, there have been so many uh, sightings and incidents. Uh, so we all know they're here now. Uh, but in addition to that, they're sending us messages. I think through crop circles and through direct communication through experiencers. You know, and experiencers. Uh, tell their stories, uh, things like that. So E.T. has their own agenda of disclosure, of course they have. And and so that is happening from their end. You got a dog? Yeah, I got a dog. Somebody somebody knocked at the door. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Um, anyway, can you guys talk amongst yourselves? When I know I I'm sorry. Hold on a minute. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, you want to say a little bit about when you first, remember when I first started doing energy work in Jakarta and how you felt yeah, about it? At the that's top? What, yes, come in. That's what, that's well, what. Go ahead. Yeah, I, again, this was, um, what, 1993? 1993. Well, 1993 is when I started doing healing work, was in 93. Yeah, January, actually. I have an anniversary. 22 years. Well, I was happy to see you take an interest in the subject, but, you know, again, I didn't quite buy into it. 
that you were bringing in some healing energy of some sort. But, of course, I've changed my mind since um, you worked on me many times and uh, and made a difference. <laughs> and and all the other people you've helped since. So um, I, I certainly am convinced that you are indeed um, bringing in healing energy and helping people. Because I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. And um, you've got so many testimonials from so many people. Yeah, I, I think it's the whole thing that that you don't have to see something in order to believe it. I mean, you you do need to experience it. Uh, that's very helpful. And and but watching it happen to somebody else isn't necessarily, you know, uh, the way that's going to convince you. It's your own personal experience, which you know comes back to what we're talking about now with with our being contactees that the the whole realm of of personal experience goes a long way, a long way in uh, you know, convincing yourself that that, you know, there is something to this. This is not the figment of uh, your imagination going on here. And and to be able to share that with others and and honor them and support them and what they're going through. It means a lot. It means an awful lot. And there are a lot of things going out there that the people who who don't know for sure exactly what's going on, but when they hear mm-hmm. other people's stories, and that's why it's so important for people to talk about this because everybody has their own story, their own, you know, experience of what happened to them. But as more people begin to hear about it, they may make those connections. It's like an old aha moment. I remember something or other that happened, you know, five years ago or ten, or when I was a kid, that something unusual happened. And so, um, you know, it just leads lends credibility to that. Yes, it does. And um, what to you guys, what would be some goals that you would like to uh, do in the future? What, what plans do you have and what, uh, what would you like to see happen? Hmm. Well, of course, I'd like to see more progress done uh, with respect to uh, uh, getting rid of nuclear stockpiles of, of different countries. So, uh, like I said, this is one of the critical issues that we have facing us. Uh, uh, one example is North Korea. North Korea has done um, three nuclear tests, and they're about to do a fourth. They're also about to launch another missile test. Um, so very shortly, they're going to have the capability of putting a nuclear device uh, on a missile and threaten whoever, right? probably South Korea first and then uh, others. And we know they've got, uh, shall I say, unstable government. Um, and um, Pakistan also is a nuclear power. India is a nuclear power. Pakistan in the past has cooperated with uh, the Taliban. Um, and who knows uh, whether or not they would share uh, nuclear secrets with a terrorist group like the Taliban. Uh, so, uh, again, we made some progress uh, with the uh, uh, the New START Treaty with Russia, where we would uh, exchange um, inspections uh, on uh, nuclear facilities, and, and again reduce nuclear stockpiles. But then uh, we have the problem with uh, uh, President Putin invading uh, Ukraine and. Uh, <laughs> 
But now, who knows where that's the status of that is now. And, of course, the the other issue is with Iran. Uh, if we don't get an agreement with Iran on their nuclear program, uh, we might see some um, actions taken by, let's say, Israel against Iran. So we've got a precarious, very precarious situation regarding nuclear weapons. So I'd like to see more yeah. progress made in that for sure. Yeah, thanks for keeping informing us about it because a lot of people don't know about anything you just said. And uh, uh, it's very interesting. And uh, it's necessary for life on Earth because uh, as we've learned from what's happened in Japan right now, I don't think that thing has stopped pumping waste into the ocean yet. Do they have that fixed? No, they don't. It's still an That's issue. That's what I mean. Issue. It's still going. In and fact, then let's look at Turbinil and... Uh, what happened after that? I mean, people slowly but surely are trying to move back. It's ridiculous because well, even we're talking in Chernobyl, years. Chernobyl. Yeah, even in Chernobyl, they're they're building um, a kind of a cocoon, a concrete cocoon over the Chernobyl plant because uh, the containment facility uh, that they have there is decaying and it's it's falling apart basically, and so they have to do something because that's still very hot, hot, meaning radioactively hot. So, uh, yeah, these these are serious problems that um, we all have to work together to solve. Uh, uh, It's not just going to happen unless we actually uh, work together, come together. Well, can you tell us, uh, because we only have about 14 minutes left, can you tell us about... uh, your book, your newest book, Unidentified, and tell us something about it and where people can get it and then uh, where we can get a hold of you guys. Yeah, well, I I decided to write this book uh, uh, because I've had, uh, like I say, almost 20 years of now experience in researching the, the UFO phenomenon. And so in here I go into other stories uh, that I think are highly credible. Uh, for example, uh, in 2006, uh, in Iraq, there was a major sighting by this uh, platoon of uh, Army soldiers that were um, patrolling uh, south of Baghdad Airport, a huge triangular craft uh, that they all saw. Uh, so, again, this is a multiple witness report. It hovered there silently above them, uh, just amazing. Um, that's just one of the many other stories I've got to uh, talk about in here. I talk about the cover-up as a result uh, of my incident, uh, what the cover-up that was going on that kept that information away from the content investigation um, and the details about that. Um, I go into that. Uh, I go into the extreme secrecy of the U.S. government um, and how um, you know the, how, how secretive we really are uh, about a lot of things, um, including the UFO phenomenon. So um, I go into what I call the international UFO cabal. Um, yeah. Try to. Or- uh, which I think is keeping these secrets uh, worldwide. Um, and there, it is an organization. I, I, I'm convinced uh, 
that there is no organization that's doing this. So I go through the uh, kind of an organizational structure of that cabal. Um, and, of course, I go into the uh, my my own personal experiences, um, the induction experience I just talked about. Um, but I've also got something like um, 14 other incidents involving UFOs and nuclear weapons. Um, and these are all very credible cases, well-supported. Um, most of them have multiple witnesses. So uh, I just wanted to... Um, uh, you know, document uh, uh, the result of my 20 years of working in this field. And also that uh, uh, on Bob's website, spiralgalaxy.org, they can purchase the book, uh, a signed copy of the book, if, if someone... Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, if somebody wants so a signed copy... Spiral, go to my, could you spell it? Spell it for uh, us. S-P-I-R-A-L... G-A-L-A-X-Y, Spiral Galaxy, all one word, dot O-R-G. Uh, so if anybody wants to purchase either either of my two books, um, uh, I'll sign, uh, sign them and send them to you. Or they can go to Amazon.com. Um, my book is published now by um, Career Press. So it's on Amazon.com. Um, yeah. Also on my uh, Spiral Galaxy website, uh, if they go to the um, link to UFO phenomenon and then link to my evidence, uh, they'll see uh, documentation supporting my case, and including uh, uh, audio audio testimony from two of the major witnesses. Um, uh, one is Walter Fiegel, who is uh, uh, the deputy commander at Echo Flight, and uh, the other is from uh, Fred Mywald, Colonel Mywald, that is now deceased, but uh, he recorded, um, we had a recording of, of our conversation. Uh, so they can listen to that, and also the, the documents supporting my case. Gosh, thank you so much. And then Marilyn, where can we get mm-hmm. your healing energy crystal spray water and oil? <laughs> oh, thank you for asking, Char. <laughs> can you please tell us where to get this stuff? I need it now. A- ab- absolutely. It's uh, www.lovesblessing.com. That's L-O-V-E-S-B-L-E-S-S-I-N-G.com, Love's Blessing. And it does have 26 essential oils in it, and it's infused with crystalline stone water. And also I have used a lot of beautiful words along the lines that Dr. Emoto has has, uh, shared with us all about those positive words, love, compassion, trust, and things like that. All those words are surrounding the water that goes into that blend of uh, love's blessing. And people want to read other people's testimonials about it. There's... Uh, it's just an enormous amount of uh, testimonials how people have used this spray and that's on my website under testimonials and it's uh, really been interesting to me to see how people have used it because originally when it was formulated through through spirit uh, through the use of a pendulum because they had me use uh, the pendulum to pick out the oils and how many drops of each oil would go into the blend. They would, you know, take it off with the, the movement of the pendulum. 
So it was very much spirit-directed, and uh, and at the time, my impression was that it was to be used before and after healing sessions, and it was a very personal thing to use, you know, in my space. But as it turns out, people started asking me, where'd you get that? Can I buy that? So now I've been selling it commercially for about uh, five to six years, I guess, and mm-hmm. um, available in, in Los Angeles at the Agape International Spiritual Center. I sell it at Thunderbolt Books in Santa Monica. I sell it at Alexandria Two in Pasadena and uh, a lot of places over in this direction in, in, in Ojai and the Malibu Shaman in Malibu. So... Um, it, it has a, a fairly wide appearance here in the Southern California area. And people use That's it everything nice. from calming down. It relaxes. Mm-hmm. They spray it on their pillow at night to go to bed for better sleep, which for a lot of contactees, that <laughs> that might be something yeah, that know. they want to try to help sleep better. It also cleanses none of the energy sleep room. Yeah, it's really weird how that, that is a phenomenon along that line. But uh, yeah. people use it to cleanse their crystals and stones. Uh, you know, there are just so many things. The testimonials on the website will pretty much tell everything about what people have to say about it. Yeah, it sounds, just sounds wonderful. And uh, it's, I'd love uh, to and send you a bottle. how about candles? So. Yeah, I, want, I, I really do want to try it because I want to start. Uh, actually, uh, I'd love to uh, do a little thing on the show for, you know, I have a little space okay, at the great. beginning. I'd love to start. Just give me the information, and I'll announce it. So, you okay, know, great. Then, yeah. Um, people are saying, has uh, Mr. Sellis has a beard bristle? It's rubbing on the phone. That's what I'm doing now. <laughs> He's got a beard. Oh, okay. He, he said, it says uh, it sounds like a metallic. I, I was saying it was metallic UFO whispering. <laughs> Into the phone, but now we've decided that suddenly it's your beard. <laughs> These people aren't right. <laughs> yeah, so I just now candles. That's another thing. First of all, I was thinking because you have that little, there's a little inside the uh, meditation uh, place. There's a little little mm-hmm. bench there. Now, who's going to sit on that? <laughs> A little bench. Well, the little bench is is a, a it's a little um, meditation stool that Bob built. Um, and oh I, my I, goodness! My, I'm not built that way. I don't do well with. <laughs> yes, I, I'm like not going to be able to because I want to go meditate, but I cannot deal with that bench, Bob. No, I can't cross my legs either, like a meditation we do, cross. No, we do with bigger people that need to meditate. No, it's not fair. Well, I, I, I just got a chair like, yesterday. Well. <laughs> There's a chair in there now, Char. So when you come up to Ojai, you <laughs> we, we have a chair. For oh, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm saying if they make me sit on that little bench, I'm going to be really upset. <laughs> <laughs> no, he but had me no, try that, and there was no way. No, I no, no, I no. There's no way. It. I could tell already with my with my uh, psychic eye. I can see it. It's not going to happen. The other part that we're adding to it is we're having a fountain put in just outside the little tea house so that there will be a continuous flow of water and then we're going to have music pipes from the back patio area there uh, because there is no electrical outlet in the tea house, but we will have the the sound uh, of the music and also the the water, the waterfall just right outside the tea house. 
Yes, yeah, so we have uh, we have to stay away from electrical because uh, you know there's an anomalies that affect a lot of us. That's a very serious oh, yeah. problem with me very and my whole family problem. notices that you know that there's a serious electrical issue going mm-hmm. on. So that would be so peaceful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Then the artwork is so beautiful and that it's just straight from your hands that impressed me yeah. so much that I just feel <laughs> even blessed by the pictures. Really, I know I'm making fun of that bench, but. It's just because this person is not going to work. <laughs> but but this is what I have to say for the bench, Bob. It's authentic. It really is. Well, I know where I he got watch that him from. Sit on it. I, I have not seen okay. him sit on it yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll call There's the a chair picture dare. coming on Facebook soon. <laughs> we'll have a chair there. We'll see who can sit on that. Yeah. So it's, uh, uh, okay, so... And so, you know, you guys are just really something else. I think you're an example to all of us how uh, the one left brain, one right brain uh, couple yeah. can actually make this work. You know, you give me hope, really, because yeah, yeah, of uh, yeah, everything true. that you've done, everything that you've been exposed to the public like that, and you're still together, you know, and that all these ideas didn't chase each other away and... um no. You're, you're creating literally a spot of beauty that uh, I think it speaks for what's inside your heart. That's what I felt like when I saw that little tea room. I said, "This is oh. coming straight from, from straight from their heart," and they're they're actually showing on the outside what's on the inside. The, it it was built with love. There is no question about that, Shark. Thank you for for saying that and for noticing it because. There was yeah. a lot of love, and there is going to be continuing love that goes into that space, and we are so looking forward to using it. Oh, so, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Let us know when you come to Ojai, okay? I, I really will. I'm going to make a special trip uh, then. Uh, Please. You know, you guys have been so awesome, and uh, thanks again for being on, and uh, you're just Absolutely. a wonderful couple, and uh, it's great Thank getting you. to know you and being friends, and I just want to thank you both for being on. It's been an honor. Oh, it's been an honor for us. And please, I'll, I'll email you about your address. I want to send you that love's blessing. So that, oh, that's please. coming in your direction. Oh, oh, yay. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah. And then, okay. and then, Robert, thank you so much. And yeah. you're sticking your neck out once again for, for the rest of us. And I really appreciate it. Yeah. As an experiencer, um, we, need, we need this solid help. You know, we need help because mm-hmm. we're in dire straits. So we need the healing. Yeah. We need the people that are, are going after the scientific facts and uh, the ones fighting against the nukes. We just need it for our survival. So I want to thank you so it's just so much, both of you. You're a good example. Right. Of, if, if you hear of a good lab, Char, that would be willing to I do will. an analysis of artifact, please let us I know. Will. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Everybody's Thank saying you. great, wonderful. Everybody's saying hi from the chat room. They all love you, and God bless oh, you, great. too. Thank and you. I want to wish you a good I night, and I'll, I'll see you soon. Okay. okay. Love okay. to everybody. Take care. Okay. okay. Love Take you. Care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, mm-hmm. guys. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night, sure. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye. So, you know, it's just been a wonderful evening spending it with a couple like this that are still together and still thriving you know, despite uh, the flack you get from whether it's uh, the uh, the world of the anti-UFO, uh, non-disclosure people, the hidden people, and then that we're bursting 
on the other hand, we're bursting with love and energy that is going to help our planet, you know, because we really need to be out there and do something to save ourselves and just not gripe about it. So I appreciate people that are working on behalf of others. So we're going to uh, just go for this evening. Uh, I much love to everybody in chat. And, and please go ahead and go get um, that book on Amazon, Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenal, uh, How the World Governments Have Conspired to Conceal Humanity's Biggest Secrets. So just go ahead and go get that and then get uh, Marilyn's uh, Blessed Oils. It's really a beautiful thing. And then next week our guest will be Dave Skirvish. The author of the book, The Mayhem Wrangler. So good night, everybody. Love you. Bye-bye.